Welcome to the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm Max Brown, and my guest, well, he's he's a returning guest, and I'm really glad that he's back, actually. Today, I'm delighted to say that Scott Miller has joined me once again. He's a former Franklin Clovey executive and still advises them in many ways. He's written several great books. He leads a great podcast. I mean, he's just doing a ton of different things. And this latest book for me really caught my attention, uh, Scott, because frankly, I love when we talk about people who who have bringing value to the world. And you've, you've captured that so well in this book. So would you just, I'm just going to, let's just go free flow today. Thank you for being on the show. And where are you at? Why'd you write this book? Max, great to be back. Thank you again for the spotlight. So the book is called Master Mentors, Mm -hmm. 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. It really comes from the podcast that I host like you do. I'm privileged to now host what is the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. It's close to 7 million each Tuesday, where I just sit in a chair like you on camera, got to shave. And I'm able to interview some of the world's most amazing minds. Sometimes they're household names, Mm -hmm. Matthew McConaughey, Bill Gates. I'm interviewing Ban Ki-moon, who's the former Secretary General of the United Nations next week. And uh, sometimes they're not household names. Sometimes they're people that have just done something especially wise or they fell out of the sky and an airline crashed and lived. Mm. They were horrifyingly abducted from someone and raped and abused and how now they are into a mode of forgiveness mm-hmm. and repair. Mm-hmm. And so I'm privileged to be in the seat of this amazing podcast called On Leadership with Scott Miller. And after about 150 episodes, Max, what I realized was that oftentimes the insights that were shared were shared off air. They were something that the person said the minute before we hit live or was the debrief afterwards for three or four minutes. I'm like, you didn't say that in the podcast. And so with their permission... I chose to feature 30 of them in a book now just released by HarperCollins, Master Mentors. It is the first of 10 in the series. There'll be nine more coming. Master Mentors Volume 2 releases in 2022 with 30 new people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm delighted to end this kind of like, not crescendo, but the second phase of my career as an entrepreneur, I think I'm really an aggregator. I'm a pollinator. You know, Max, I once heard a horrifying statistic. And it was that 0.0001% of all humans Mm -hmm. live their lives with an original thought. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of diminishing when I first heard it. And then I thought, it's probably right. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to do about that? If I've never had an original thought, Mm -hmm. then what if I was to actually just like you, turn the spotlight perhaps onto those that have have, and become a a pollinator of their ideas and allow millions more people through perhaps reading my books where with people's permission, I have the ability to aggregate and to twist their idea and to give them credit for it. I I obviously, as the CMO of a public global company, I understand and appreciate and value copyrights and trademarks Mm -hmm. and intellectual property, right? Mm -hmm. You'll find hopefully me to be a a generous and accurate uh, attributor of people's content But sometimes someone writes it in one way and then I live it in another way. And so the book Master Mentors is me kind of highlighting a transformational insight from these first 30 people. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, using myself or someone else as an example of how that's worked or how I have struggled making that idea work. So Mm -hmm. I'm delighted today to talk to whichever ones you'd like to. Well, I think that's fantastic. And I want to go back to something you said very early on there when you said, you know, sometimes it was those moments that happened after the recording 
that were so magical. I, I found that same thing. I've, I, in fact, so many times, you know, it's those off record kind of comments that you go, oh my word, like, would you please say that again? It never comes out the same way. You know, it's like you, you, you just miss these, these beautiful yes. moments. I, I had a, a great, a great piece of advice. And I wish, I wish I could remember the individual who did this for me, but he said, Max, after you're done speaking, you need to remember that the very last person, if you wait for the very last person who's waiting in line to speak to you, they're probably going to give you the biggest golden nugget. And I thought that was just a really good piece of advice. And so I was very, very patient and I would wait because pe- people are willing to wait for you to meet you and talk to you afterwards. There's, there's got to be something there. And as I listened, I learned so many good pieces from that. I think what you're talking about here today is as we capture those great things and we can share them with others, by the way, I'm really grateful that you also give attribution. I think it's a really important thing in a world where that's been lost and people where they think, you know, information, um, particularly intellectual property is just, is just free when, when actually it's actually been created by a lot of good people. So thank you for that. And thank you for this conversation. I would love for you to just share, you know, what stand, what stood out for you in this first book and the fact that you're doing a volume sounds fantastic to me, but what stood out? What did you learn in this process? Well, so the book is titled Master Mentors. So Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I evangelize the most is everyone is and everyone needs a mentor. Mm -hmm. And I think I would maybe even define mentorship more broadly. You don't have to have met your mentor. I have many mentors that don't know I'm alive, that I've read all 16 of their books, or perhaps I've listened to every one of their podcasts or watched every episode of their television series. And I practically apply their wisdom into what I'm trying to accomplish. I am the beneficiary of many mentors who were formal, who know they were my mentor. And I've been a mentor, hopefully formally, to people as well. So I think just generally the idea of having a mentor, being a mentor Mm -hmm. is something relevant in everyone's life, no matter where you are on your journey. I have people that are in their 70s that could buy and sell me 30 times over. Mm -hmm. And I'm mentoring them around how to select a publisher how to produce a podcast, mm-hmm. how to create their social media. So mentorship has nothing to do with age. It has to do with wisdom mm. and having an abundance mentality and, and helping someone else accomplish what they want to accomplish mm-hmm. through your experiences, good and bad. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I learn more from people that have had bankruptcies than I do from people that have made a million dollars on how to grow a business. I learn more on how to stay married to my wife from those who've been divorced, from those who've been married for 30 years. So Mm. mentorship isn't just about sharing your triumphs. It's about demonstrating the vulnerability to share your mistakes and your messes and teach through them. Yeah, I think that vulnerability is key. I don't disagree with that. I'm also inspired, quite frankly, though, by those who are going to celebrate 50 years, by the way, you know, or whatever. There's no question, right? You know what I mean? (laughs) And they always say the same thing. Your wife's always right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly it. My, my son, actually, I, I posted this reflection on Facebook, but he said, Dad, I can't be perfect at everything. And this was when he was about nine or 10 years old. And I said, son, you don't have to be perfect at everything, but when it comes to respecting your mother, you have to be perfect. Wow. You've got to be perfect. My wife would appreciate that. Hey, <clears throat> in our time, can I share a couple of the mentors and insights? I would love that. And in fact, yeah. I was going to say, you know, Whitney Johnson, one of your mentor uh, mentors you mentioned in this particular book uh, is also a good friend of mine. A few other these other people that you've shared. I mean, I just love these good people. We've talked about this previously, but she actually gave me a good piece of advice once. And, and I would love to hear some of them that stuck out for you. She actually told me, she goes, Max, people will ask you for favors a lot. And as you, ta- you talked about mentors, you know, and who's a mentor for you. 
She said, the thing that stands out for me that I really appreciate is when someone takes the time to thank me for going out of my way to, to make a connection or to help. She, she just said, it's very thoughtful when someone comes back and follows up with a request. And I just thought that was, I, I, I'll never forget that. I did that about 10 or 11 years ago when we first had a, a very early on conversation. And um, I still feel she practices what she preaches. This is serendipitous because this morning I was a guest on Whitney Johnson's podcast and Whitney Johnson will be a guest on my podcast next week. She has a new book coming out in January called Smart Growth. So what a small world it is. It's great. Uh, she's a class act. Whitney is just one of the 30 mentors, of course, the author of the book, Disrupt Yourself, mm -hmm. and the other book, Build an A-Team. Some of the other mentors are Seth Godin, Dan Pink, Susan Cain, Stedman Graham, right? Uh, known as Oprah's life partner, but very much an accomplished author and business entrepreneur. I think of the 30 mentors that I feature, by the way, they're all of different races and genders and nationalities and yeah. walks of life, some more famous than others. The first one that I'm often asked about the most is a man named Nick Vujicic. Mm -hmm. He, of course, is uh, Australian by birth and American by choice, uh, a famous inspirational speaker, author, podcast host. And Nick was, of course, born with no arms and no legs. Mm -hmm. Like you and I, he has a, a head and a neck and a torso and a groin, but his body ends there, no arms, no legs. And I had Nick as the hundredth guest on our podcast. Nick and I became fast friends and has been in my house multiple times in Salt Lake. Came to the, came, flew from Texas to Utah for the Master Mentors launch party. Yeah. Where eight of the mentors showed up. You know, Nick shows up for me and I hope he feels like I show up for him. But mm -hmm. I learned so much from Nick about gratitude. Mm -hmm. A lot of us talk about how grateful we are, but you've not been grateful for your fingers until you're in Nick Vujicic's presence. And you realize that mm. Nick cannot scratch his forehead. He cannot use the restroom. He cannot dress himself. He cannot drink a cup of water. He cannot save himself from a burning building. Mm -hmm. Nick cannot really do anything for himself except for control his state of mind mm -hmm. and his positivity. He lives very much in the future about what is, what could be. He does not lament that I know of his limitations. I learned so much from Nick. In fact, Nick really reinforced this idea that I find transformative, which is all of us can see our lives through three lenses. I have to, I ought to, and I get to. And I share in the book some stories around things that I dread, right? Sunday night garbage, taking it out in the Utah winters at three degrees and I'm slipping and sliding across the driveway when then I realize that tomorrow is garbage day and these three garbage cans need to be rolled down 70 yards out to the street. You know, Nick Vujicic cannot take out the garbage and he would love to. And so now in the evenings, I get to take out the garbage. I get to deliver a keynote speech to Saudi Arabia at 1.30 in the morning. I get to deliver a keynote speech at four o'clock in the morning via Zoom to Germany. And I'm really trying to be more grateful for all that I have in life and maybe even be grateful for the things that I don't. Yeah. Because sometimes, I, I have three boys, right, who you know are nine, seven, nine, and 11. And they always want Elon Musk's, they're talking about Elon Musk and Bill Gates and they're obsessed with Jeff Bezos and all his money. And I say to them, I, I don't want that kind of money. I don't want to win the lottery because then going to dinner wouldn't be special. 
You know, going to the race car tracks wouldn't be special. Yeah. And so maybe it took me 50 years to figure that out, but I really honor Nick Vujicic, who's taught me to be grateful for everything I have and everything I don't. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, in your book, quoting Nick, um, you, you said that his whole point is the transformational insight, if you will, that you, you mentioned is that to build mindfulness around the small things that we take for granted, which actually may be the big things, and then practice more consistent gratitude in every area of your life. And I think that's exactly what you were just illustrating. Yeah, I think, I think this book is very episodic. In fact, a publisher who's published multiple of my books passed on it. Mm. Uh, best-selling books I've written because they thought it was too episodic. It was mm -hmm. HarperCollins that saw the vision. Mm -hmm. And that publisher is now kicking themselves. I purposely wrote this book to be episodic. Mm -hmm. I interview four-star generals on being on the right side of history. Mm -hmm. I interview best-selling branding experts on your messaging and neuroscientists on protecting your brain and, and divas, you know, self-proclaimed Hollywood divas about their brand. Mm-hmm. And so purpose I interview NFL stars, stars on sometimes a disappointment turns into an appointment. I didn't know this, but the inside joke inside of the NFL is that it really stands for not for long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that your peak in that career is very short and you better maximize it or have skills to go to work when you're done. So the book is purposely episodic because I think it will hit readers at different places. Mm -hmm. I know that not every book is for everyone. Not every restaurant is for everyone. I'm very mm -hmm. mindful of this idea of your total addressable market versus your smallest viable market, mm -hmm. which is the insight that Seth Godin shares. Mm -hmm. And I think this book has a nugget that has the ability to transform, transform anyone's life based on where they are, coming out of a divorce, being promoted into a new career, just launched a business, mm -hmm. taken on a new division in an organization and expanded their stewardship. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you've lost someone from an illness. Perhaps you yourself are coming out of an illness. I think the book has the power of hitting everyone yeah. exactly where they are in their life. Yeah, and I think that's the power of a good book, right? And I mean, so quoting another of your mentors that you mentioned, Dave Hollis, he he, he talks about vulnerability. And I I think in a piece of that, you said, you know, the he says, the higher you are in an organization, the more warped and blurred your view becomes of what's really happening on the ground. And it's it's true. You know, when I speak with leaders uh, around the globe, I, I get this opportunity where some people come up to me and they say, you know, some leaders have forgotten what hamburger tastes like. I just think that's a great quote. I just think that's a great quote, right? Like, what, how, how, how did they forget what hamburger tastes like? You're going to think I'm a fraud, but I had the privilege of interviewing Dave Hollis yesterday for our podcast. Come on. A new book he has coming out called Built Through Courage. I'm a big fan of Dave Hollis. His book comes out um, very shortly. But I, I think Brene Brown popularized she the did. concept of vulnerability. I think Dave Hollis has turned it into a leadership competency. Mm. So for those listeners that actually are leading people inside your organization's I think you need to ask yourself, how vulnerable are you? Are you willing to teach through your mistakes? Are you willing to perhaps acknowledge an unnatural level of vulnerability so that other, uh, other people can actually own theirs as well and own their mistakes and learn from yours? I think too often people teach through their successes. Mm -hmm. They hide their mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think it's a new generation where people want leaders 
that see vulnerability as a strength and not as a weakness. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be said there. What other ones stand out for you when you think about these? I mean, we could we could go through each one. I mean, you like you said, there's 30 of them, and it's and it's amazing because you're right. I mean, um, some of these things become popularized, and then and but learning how to apply it, learning how to make it a leadership principle or to yeah, execute yeah. it, there's a gift in that, and 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 it's not easy. So I think some of the readers might say, okay, so how do I apply that? What do I do here? What would be my next step? And I love that you ask a transformational insight, and then a leading question so that can kind of provoke for them what it means for them. I mean, I, I would go with Susan David. Here's one. Susan David is the acclaimed Harvard Medical School psychologist, South African by birth, American by choice. She wrote a very famous book called Emotional Agility. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal book. And Susan taught me, and I write about her in the book and feature her as a person who had a transformative impact on me as a leader by reminding me that too often leaders confuse facts with their emotions, mm -hmm. their opinions, and their feelings. Both are valuable. Your emotions and your feelings and your opinions are valuable mm -hmm. and as are facts. And if you're like me, and perhaps few people are, as leaders, we sometimes conflate the two. Mm -hmm. And by pursuing our own agenda, we portray our feelings and our emotions as facts, mm -hmm. or we manipulate facts. Well, through this lens, if you look at it through this lens, then it's really successful. And what we're usually doing is protecting our own ego That's and right. progressing our own agenda. And so Susan very much validates the value, if you will, of your facts or of your emotions and your opinions. And she just reminds us not to conflate the two. And I love the quote from Dr. Stephen R. Covey, of course, the co-founder of Franklin Covey and the author of the seminal book, the seven habits of highly effective people. Dr. Covey said, humble leaders are more concerned with what is right than being right. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I enter any kind of a meeting, conversation, to your point about applicability, I ask myself, is my intent to accomplish what is right for this team, for this company, for our shareholders, for our clients, mm -hmm. versus being right because I feel insecure or I feel the need to have control mm -hmm. or to progress my agenda that benefits me. I once interviewed a very famous psychiatrist who I won't mention their name, mm. but this person said to me, everybody is out for themselves. Some are just better willing to disguise it than others. Mm. And so I think the applicability for Susan David is immediate. Start asking yourself, Am I more concerned with what is right than being right? And you will naturally begin to build influence and trust with your people because they will see it, they will feel it, they will hear it. You know, I I want to push that just a little bit further too. And I think we did this in the last conversation we had, and I know that was a year ago, but uh, I remember distinctly saying, you know, how do we push this a little bit? And that's because we all have these blind spots. So we're, we, we become aware of them as we read content like this, as we discuss these issues and we say, you know what, you're right, I am conflating things. And about 10 years ago, in fact, almost 10 years ago today, I wrote a point that I just shared on LinkedIn. And I said, if you make a point merely to display your intellect or to hear your own words, your motive will be revealed in your presentation. Ouch. People will know it. People will see right through it. And Double I, ouch. I know, right? But how many times have we been there? How many times have we listened to someone on the stage and we and and their motive is being revealed 
Next question. <laughs> Move this along. <laughs> well, when you talk about humility, I think it's a great conversation, my friend. I really you know, do. And I, as you know, uh, I'm not a naturally humble person. I don't think I'm a naturally arrogant person, but it's a struggle for me to mm -hmm. recognize the role humility should play in my life as a spouse, as a parent, as an entrepreneur. But I like that. I like that, and I'm interrupting you on purpose, and I apologize because I want you to get your whole flow, but I'm interrupting you on purpose because because what I like about that, Scott, is that you're very honest about that, and, and last time when we talked about that, now, being honest about it and then what are we doing about it is a whole other thing, right? So I, 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 I didn't mean to make this all about you, and I know we can keep going, but I appreciate your ability to talk about that very openly because some people aren't, and, and that's frankly why I was excited about you joining the show again today. I appreciate it. I, like everyone, right? I, I am trying to mature. It's a mm -hmm. verb. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that anybody is mature. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to mature. You know, Liz Wiseman wrote a new book. Uh, my favorite book of all time is her first book called Multipliers. Mm -hmm. It's actually her second book, but her big book is Multipliers. Mm -hmm. She just released a new book this week called Impact Players. Mm -hmm. If Multipliers is a book for leaders, Impact Players is a book for individual producers, contributors. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal book interviewed her, her podcast episode came out this week in my series. And one of the things that I learned from Liz about humility is there's a time to play big. There's a time to play small. And I have difficulty playing small. For those who know me know that I'm a fairly ferocious person. I have a big vocabulary. My volume is always up here. My volume is rarely down here. Mm. And I like the limelight. I like to shine the light on others as well. Mm. And what I've realized is I need to be more deliberate on when it's time for me to play small. Here's mm. a great example. Mm. Our 22-year CEO stepped aside three months ago and is now the chairman of the board. Mm -hmm. We have a new CEO at Franklin Covey. Mm -hmm. And he had a big going away party at a big hotel here in Salt Lake. And his administrative assistant is a fairly frugal person. She's a minimalist. By strategy, she likes to do things low, mm -hmm. small, discreet. I, I, you know, I think go, go big or go home should be go big or don't come. I love shock and awe. I was a chief marketing officer. I do everything over the top. Dinner parties, 16 couples, not six. Book launches, 400 people, not 40. I do everything over the top, right? Mm -hmm. A convertible? No, let's have three. Mm. Like literally, I have three. Mm. So I thought about bringing a picture of the CEO on a stick his name is Bob, and I called him Bob Bob Sickles. Mm -hmm. I was going to like laminate a picture of him on, and have everybody have all the Bob Sickles and have them sign them. And I started to order them, and then I realized, you know what? I'm going to steal the show. Mm -hmm. Once again, Scott's going to come in. I'm going to one up everybody. I'm going to steal the show. And I read Liz's book, and I realized, you know what? This is a time for me to play small. Tonight isn't about me. Mm -hmm. As much as I want to make it about me, mm -hmm. it's not about me. It's about him. Mm -hmm. And it's also about her because she's planning this party. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you what? It was awesome. Mm -hmm. She did a great job. Mm -hmm. And so that, I don't mean to make that about me. I mean to make it that I'm, I'm increasingly recognizing there are times when I need to be smaller mm -hmm. because I am perhaps stealing it from someone else. You and know, I haven't always been aware of that. I, I appreciate that. And for me, it also, it, it does show a level of maturity, which I do appreciate. But I also think it's interesting too, that some people, even the way describing it, that, that, that that's being small to me 
in some ways, maybe it's just a misunderstanding of what what that means, because I think that's quite magnanimous, which is very hard and is actually very big to do. And sometimes stepping out of the way to make sure that someone else's priority is our priority is actually very beautiful. And this should be a common leadership skill, but like all of us, we have blind spots. Correct. I don't know what it's like to be in a relationship with me. I think when I'm adding value, sometimes I'm taking value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I am on this journey of recognizing when playing smaller is actually playing bigger. Yes. And I think that's where I was headed there, right? Is that playing small could actually be the big thing to do. That's, That's right. Right. I love and that. No one, and no one would know that. Right. If they, didn't, if, they, if they didn't have that conversation with you. And sometimes I have so many stories to share, right, of yeah. when I should be leaving meetings. I've gotten to the habit now of my team. I will leave a meeting on purpose and say, you know what? I'm going to go do this right now. Don't be insulted. You all have got this. Come back and give me your top three ideas of what you think we should do. Mm-hmm. I got nothing to do. Mm-hmm. But I realize that when I'm in the room, I naturally dominate. I, I tend to want to be the genius in the room versus the genius maker of others. And sometimes the best way for me to play that card is to leave the room. Yeah. And some of your listeners might think you're a sociopath, Scott, or you're yeah. a narcissist. Well, I hope that's not true, but I'm self-aware enough to recognize that sometimes my greatest strengths are overplayed and they become my liability. So I have to like physically remove myself and go for a walk and a cup of coffee so that the other genius in the room can be ignited because it's not my natural talent to always do that. Well, I I, I mean, again, I appreciate the candor. And it, it does lead me to one more question specifically around that. So what would you say to listeners today who are dealing with someone who they think is a good person, they've got a lot of skills, but they want to be the biggest person in the room and they don't know how to work with that person because... They don't, they don't yeah, resonate yeah. at the same level, but they also have talent and skills. They're just not being allowed to flourish and be discovered. I don't know any other way than this. And that is to move outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and perhaps discuss what might have up till now been an undiscussable. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's through email. In fact, maybe that's the best way. I, I don't tend to ever give advice through email, but there are times when that's helpful if it might be viewed as being uh, deniable in the moment mm-hmm, or embarrassing mm-hmm. or minimizing. Maybe you tell this person, I'd like to provide you some feedback that I don't know that anyone's done before. Mm-hmm. Cause like all of us, this feels like it could be a blind spot for you. And my intention is to help to build your influence with this team. That's the key, right? I, I apologize. My dog is barking is to declare your intent. My mm-hmm. intent is not to, disparage you or humiliate you. It's the opposite. My intent is to help you understand what in many ways is a strength. And like all of us, when our strengths are overplayed, they can become our weaknesses and then go into the feedback in a non-accusatory, factual way. So I like that. And and in fact, I, I coach a lot of senior leaders who sometimes, sometimes um, during breaks and things, when when I'm allowed to sit in meetings and listen and 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 mentor, um, we go into breaks and I had, I had a leader once come up to me during a break and the person said to me, wow, so-and-so in that room is being a real pain in the butt, you know, and I really don't like what they're saying or what they're doing. And I think it's because they're against me. And I, and I said, you know, actually, I don't think that's it at all. I think you're misreading the person and their intentions. 
And I think if you were to rewire what you're thinking about that person, you'd actually get some more value out of them this afternoon than maybe you realized. And that's occurred. And that's exactly what's happened when maybe sometimes we made a, you know, a, a, a stereotypical judgment or we misjudge a situation. Max, it's such great advice. I frequently, even as the leader of a team, I'll, I will text members around the table, not everyone, mm. virtually, metaphorically. Um, am I dominating? Am I, am I pushing this topic too hard? Okay. Have I gone too far on this? Mm-hmm. Uh, trusted people, people who report to me, mm-hmm. sometimes people who are peers, not like, you know, distraction texting 10 people, right? Yeah. To take a poll. But I'll, I'll find who I think are credible people that have a comfortability to tell me. As a matter of fact, Scott, yeah, pull back on this or let Meg, Meg's got this. And so just sometimes you need perspective, right? You do. Because you lose perspective. None of us know what it's like to report to us. That's right. None of us know what it's like to be married to us. None of us know what it's like to be our next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. None of us know what it's like to be on a weekly two-hour Zoom call mm-hmm. unless you ask. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great trait of effective leaders that they make it safe for others to tell them the truth about them. And when they do, you don't deflect it. You don't deny it. You don't refute it. You say, you know what? That was courageous. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to write that down. Hey, can I ask you a question? When you see me doing that or saying that, what do you think is going on with me? Do I seem jealous? Do I seem insecure? Do I seem like I'm in over my head? Because obviously I'm acting that way for a reason. What, what, What do you think? No leaders do that. Everyone wants to work for that kind of leader. That's not weakness. That is like that is like power. That is power. Your job is not to be the genius. Your job is not to be the smartest person in the room. No one wants to work for that person. Your job is to be competent where you are and have expertise and vulnerable and inquisitive and curious where you don't. I'm allowing the silence. I, I mean, that's exactly right. And and of course, we can see each other. So I'm nodding profusely, and 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 that's exactly how I feel about it. I think I think that our greatest responsibility as a leader is to bring out the best in those we lead. It's to bring out the best in those around us. To believe in them even when they didn't believe in themselves. To give them that confidence to be able to be more than they ever thought possible. And how many people believed in you, Scott, before you knew you could even do something yourself? How many people saved me from myself? Right? Absolutely. Uh, 30 years in the leadership business, I've now congealed my entire leadership philosophy around one phrase. Mm -hmm. A leader's job is to achieve results with and through other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so, Mm -hmm. so like simple and profound. A leader's job is to achieve results with and through other people. Mm -hmm. And every leader has to decide what does that mean for them? That's it. That's exactly it. You know, General McChrystal, and then we'll we'll kind of wrap this up. I think he talks about this in your book, right? You quoted him. And one of the transformational insights you brought out from his piece was that we're leaving a historical legacy. And that's exactly what we're talking about now. As a leader, are we leaving? What kind of legacy are we leading? Are we aware or not? And he says, whether you're conscious of it or not, make the choice to be on the right side of history now before you're forced to be on the casualty on the other side later. 
I'm a big fan of this man. Of course, he is a four-star American general mm -hmm. at the direction of the then president, led America's intervention into Afghanistan 20 years ago, very much now in the news, given the withdrawal of American forces and the, you know, the impact of that. Mm -hmm. Many people know he was fired by President Obama mm -hmm. because of comments he made about then Vice President Biden mm -hmm. in Esquire magazine. McChrystal is an American hero. He just released a book called Risk, which I interviewed him for a week ago on the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. I sound like a pathological liar, but the fact of the matter is I have interviewed these people most recently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this big story in the book is that General McChrystal was always a fan of Robert E. Lee. Mm -hmm. And I think Robert E. Lee has been demonized in the last few years. Most people forget that President Lincoln first asked Robert E. Lee to command the Union forces. Ulysses S. Grant was his second choice when Lee declined. Uh, and Robert E. Lee was an icon to McChrystal, not because of his views on the South or Confederacy or slavery, because of what a patriot and what a fine military general he was fighting for the nation. McChrystal went to Robert E. Lee, I think it was junior high school. He lived in Lee Barracks at West Point. And early in his marriage, McChrystal's wife, whose name escapes me, I don't think I know it actually, mm. gave him a picture of Robert E. Lee and it hung on their home for 25 years. You can imagine as a public servant and military general, he moved a lot for our nation. Mm -hmm. And this picture of Reed Lee hung on his wall. Well, when McChrystal and his wife retired from service to our nation, they settled in Charlottesville, Virginia, where many years ago, five, six years ago, there mm -hmm. was a horrific incidence of, of hate with white supremacists and neo-Nazis in Charlottesville. Despicable display of hate. Mm -hmm. A counter-protester was killed. Mm -hmm. And for years, Mrs. McChrystal had been urging the general to take the photograph down for fear what, what Lee had come to represent in the Confederacy. And long before the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and the social justice reckoning that happened in our nation, after many attempts, McChrystal had resisted his wife's overture to take it down because of kind of, it was a gift from her. They've kept it for all these homes. And then one day with no fanfare, McChrystal took the photograph down and threw it in the trash hmm. because he didn't want anyone of his neighbors or friends or families to come to his home and second judge his character. Hmm. And long before it would have been convenient for him to throw it out, he threw it out. Maybe too late for some maybe the right time for others, right? When is the best time to plant a tree? Yesterday. Mm -hmm. When is the second best time? Today. And I think what McChrystal shares with us is not when he threw it out, is just to remind all of us, are we on the right side of history? Not all of us are four-star generals on CNN and CNBC and the Wall Street Journal every day like McChrystal. Mm -hmm. But all of us have a chance to make proactive choices in our companies with our teams with what we tolerate, what we don't, mm -hmm. what we validate, what we don't, what we fund. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that I think that although magnanimously the, the idea might seem ethereal, right? Being on the right side of history, mm -hmm. all of us are faced with that daily in how we lead our families, how we lead our teams, and how we lead ourselves. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing the story. It's Long and, story, I apologize. Well, you know, it's a good reminder, though, of, of where we're at. We didn't know where this would go today, but I knew that we would have a good, free-flowing dialogue. I think if we could finish it on one piece, what stood out for you? If there was one piece from this book that you just that just came out, that you would say, wow, that one just really caught me. I know you talked about Nick and, and so many others already, but if there's maybe another piece we haven't shared that we, maybe you'd think, oh, man, that it just really touched me. Well, I think what all 30 master mentors have in common is what Dr. Covey would have called an abundance mentality. Mm -hmm. Maybe I spoke to this already, but it's just a reoccurring theme. They don't have a scarce mind in their body, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're willing to mentor. They're willing to coach. They write. They speak not just because they want to earn money, although they're in business to earn money. These are generally abundant people. They want to share their struggles, their successes, their failures, their journey in the hopes to make other people's lives better, to change minds, to challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a, they're my Jiminy Cricket to make sure that I'm leading my life in a way that is abundant. I have no idea if I'll sell one book or 400 books from your podcast. The thought never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. Never crossed my mind until now. Mm -hmm. I hope it's 400. <laughs> I, I came here today because I think you have a great platform mm -hmm. for people who are tuning in to improve their skills, their leadership skills, their mm -hmm. entrepreneurial skills, their parenting, their relationship skills. Mm -hmm. And if I can, through my legacy, add some value to their lives and help them avoid some of the metaphorical potholes that I've stepped into, as have these mentors, then mission accomplished. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I know Nellie actually spoke about that in this piece, right? Her transformational insight being the most successful and influential people achieve that stature, not by just experiencing failure or, or not just by experiencing failure, but by hyping their failures for the benefit of others. Meaning I own it, right? I'm not going to shirk it. I'm not going to blame it on someone else. I'm going to own it. I, I, I'm probably going to apologize. But, but she says the idea there is people will learn and be inspired by you being vulnerable enough and honest enough to say, I'm trying to be a better person too. Yeah, Nellie's chapter is great. Nellie's not well known. She was the first ever Latina producer of a US television network, Telemundo. She wrote a book called Self Made. She was, believe it or not, a celebrity on Donald Trump's Celebrity Apprentice where she raised a lot of money for a foundation. But I love her concept. Her transmissional insight is this idea of hyper failures. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a leadership strength, not a leadership weakness. Scott, it's been a pleasure to be with you again today. I'm really glad that you brought this to light in this book today. And, and again, I just, I really enjoy these conversations. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Max, thanks for your friendship. Uh, I feel the same way. Where can people find more information uh, about you and what you're doing? Well, my wife says it's hard not to find me, and that's not a compliment from her. You can visit scottjeffreymiller.com, my blogs, my podcast episodes. The article I write each week for Inc. Magazine is there. You can find all the books that I've written, including this new book, Master Mentors, on Amazon.com or every book platform, both digital and physical. I'm on every social media platform, including soon uh, TikTok. Stand by for that. I won't be dancing leadership leadership songs, but I will be sharing leadership, leadership insights. Um, my boys are excited about my TikTok growth. Well, I think that's fantastic. Scott, thanks again for your time today. It's great to connect, and I'm glad we had another conversation like this. And uh, thanks for being honest and vulnerable. Thanks for your abundance, Max. I appreciate that. To all our listeners out there, thanks for listening again today to the Purpose and Principles podcast. Have a great week. Talk to you again soon.